So hello and welcome to the ETAFM podcast. I am Dominic Lander with background in shipping line, uh, five years in Maersk line holding various positions. Later joined container terminal DCT Gdansk as head of commercial. And I'm Sebastian Vrubel, I'm the co-founder of, of uh, our podcast. My background is from Freight Forwarding in uh, first very small family-owned company, then DB Schenker, Kinnenagel, uh, doing various things, mainly commercial and value creation. And together with Dominic, we are running the show uh, since the beginning of 2021. So it's been already a, a full year that we are doing it. Uh, we've published 70 episodes so far. Most of them were in Polish. So you couldn't listen to that if you are not a Polish uh, speaker, but there were some of them in English as well with some uh, co-hosts. And uh, our idea about running this podcast is about really doing it in a multi-host multi environment. So you are going to listen a lot of various people on the shows. And if you are one of uh, some that would be interested to co-host it with us, please just uh, let us know via social media or just dropping a message to us on the seb uh, at eta.fm. And uh, today we are going to talk about 2021, kind of, because we know there are uh, a lot of various uh, summaries of the year and we wouldn't like to uh, share the same things that you already uh, seen somewhere else. So we are just going to share a few of them and then we are going to also uh, be joined by Boris Wenzel. Uh, Dominic will talk with him about the uh, digitalization of ports, how important it is. I believe that all of you understand that it is important after what we've seen in 2021 and all of the all of the all of the congestions that were seen over there and with the LA Long Beach uh, at the let's say top of the list of of very very long list of the ports that were facing uh, some serious troubles. So we, we are go we are going to start from uh, from the news about uh, 2M Alliance, which is decreasing the number of port co port calls at the moment, which is connected to the major topic uh, today. And uh, we are seeing in the Europe uh, A55 uh, calling the Felixstowe and Le Havre and A1 uh, of Rotterdam and Bremerhaven. And uh, they are just decreasing the number of the calls into the ports uh, just to mainstream the, the flows. Right, Dominic? Right, Sebastian. Uh, 2M has, uh, has just announced that uh, there will be uh, two out of uh, the six services uh, only calling two ports in Europe. Um, so there's a big reduction, A55, um, that will only call uh, Felix Stowe and Le Havre, and A1 will only call Rotterdam and Bremerhaven. What we are seeing right now is that there's a reduction of a uh, number of port calls in Europe, but also in Asia. So, for example, Yan Tian, uh, compared to January 2021 to January 2022, has lost um, uh, calls from 21 calls uh, a year ago to 16, Singapore from 19 to 16, the port of Rotterdam, the largest port in Europe, from 23 to 15, Hamburg from 16 to 11 calls a week, um, and this is not uh, this is not the end as far as we can see. There are also some winners. Uh, for example, London Gateway has gained two calls um, compared to what they had uh, a year ago, and we can also see that there is a shift of volume in between of the ports. Uh, London Gateway has uh, has uh, just got two calls. However, Felix though has lost uh, also two calls from six to four um, today. And in 2016, bear in mind, Felix though had 10 calls a week. So there's a big reduction. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, it, we can observe very similar things on the transatlantic between the US and, uh, and actually the North Europe and US East Coast. So, so there, there, the 2M is going to uh, cancel 23 calls uh, for eight weeks in a row. So, so you know, it's uh, it's for me. It's always a question mark. Why it's it's happening? Is it a, is it about you know the uh, amount of the vessels which are available, or is it something that we've been seeing on the, at the end of the year that it's uh, might be a slightly 
drop in the demand and uh, the shipping liners are already introducing you know the, the some kind of a countermeasures uh, to to secure the the, the rates which are uh, super high at the moment so uh, so so for me it's always a question mark about it and uh, and I, th I think i think time will show in that well i think it's the you know the truth is always in the middle as they say right so on one hand obviously overcapacity was never good for the carriers so in the past, when there was overcapacity on the market, they have invented a lot of ways how to reduce the tonnage that was available. Um, yeah, for they example, know how to do that. Yeah, yeah, they know how to do it. The slow steaming, the super slow steaming, I would also say almost a reverse steaming. Uh, but this was the way how to hide the tonnage, right? So I would not be surprised if, uh, if they were looking into some innovative ways of, uh, of deploying tonnage. And also to be fair and honest, uh, the shipping lines, even if they if they deploy all the tonnage they have, right? There's well, there's more than 130 uh, uh, vessels standing alongside uh, LA and Long Beach. So even if they deploy everything they have, their vessels will be stuck just waiting to be served, and that's why there is a reduction in the port calls in the U.S. East Coast from 15, yeah, about 13 to 15 percent, according to uh, to some sources. Yeah, that might be that, that might be true. You know, when, when you when you look at the idling feed, it's like uh, zero point six percent of of uh, uh, available vessels which are available, which is nothing, absolutely nothing. And when you compare even the amount of the vessels which are waiting on the west coast, which is over hundred thirty at the moment, uh, with uh, a thirty which were a year ago. Uh, and everybody was like super shocked in the, in January 2021 about how many vessels they are waiting to 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 call the uh, LA uh, and Long Beach. At the moment, it's a hundred vessels more, so it's uh, definitely a lot, lot of the tonnage is tied up with those congestions, and it's super uh, d difficult to uh, to unleash anything to 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 deploy into the different services. Uh, meanwhile, we have a confirmation that. MSC, the Mediterranean shipping company, is uh, officially number one in terms of the available tonnage. It's uh, it's been already published a couple of times in December, at least two, uh, the, and there were some different statistics available. We were saying different truth, but uh, but it seems to be that that now after the acquisition of the uh, new vessel from the XT shipping, it's it's it's, got, it's officially number one. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Congrats to MSC. <laughs> Yes, I would say congratulations. I mean, uh, I think we will be also moving to the video chat in the in future, so uh, that would be even more uh, more precise. But uh, MSC has done a tremendous job to become the number one in the shipping business because they are one of the very few lines that have grown uh, organically, right? So um, whereas their competition was buying and merging, uh, MSC has been growing from a uh, 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 from 1970. The uh, company was established by Captain Gianluigi Aponta and ever since the company was slowly but surely growing in ranks uh, with the current order book of uh, almost 1 million TUs that uh, MSC holds versus the second in line Maersk line with 255,000 TUs we are looking uh, for this situation to stay. Yeah, so the interesting fact is also the the login logis, logistica from Brazil that was uh, approved to be acquired by the MSC, which was one of the very f first actually acquisition in that space by them by the MSC. So this this is uh, super exciting for the company that they they got to this place and uh, MSC is definitely one of the biggest winners of the last year. Or let's say race towards uh, uh, getting the tonnage in place. They were. They were buying everything. They were ordering the new uh, vessels. They were acquiring the second-hand vessels. They were just uh, getting everything that was uh, was available. And it, 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 there are also some losers in this space because, for yes. example, the Costco Group and the ONE, they just uh, lost the, the tonnage that they had on the on the charter basis, which uh, which uh, ended up uh, during the year, and they couldn't uh, secure it uh, for for the further chartering. 
uh, which is also uh, showing the, the kind of a different uh, views on, on 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 having the capacity for the customers. So the MSC is definitely the one that 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 do, did absolutely the most to uh, to support the customers with the space availability uh, through through the 2021, which was super sensitive on that point. True. However, I would add to this point. You know, the average fleet growth for all top 12 carriers amounted to 5.1 percent last year. As you're right saying the MSC uh, has grown 10.7 so they 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 uh, they more uh, than doubled uh, the uh, the average growth in uh, in capacity however evergreen evergreen was uh, was uh, very much uh, known last year for this um, uh, for the uh, uh, Suez Canal uh, um, uh, incident which to all fairness could happen to anyone uh, however they have grown their capacity by 15.6 percent this is this is one of the results of the i think it's one of the uh, the highest or the newest uh, also uh, extension of the fleet in terms of new orders um, that has been done by evergreen evergreen has been slow or let's say taking their time to uh, uh, to order new tonnage however however when they started now it's 15.6% so they tripled the average growth of the market which is uh, well uh, great uh, yeah. great uh, i would say <laughs> in these conditions that's a that's a great uh, thing to see huh yeah, yeah. Even, even at the moment you can see, you, you, you can listen about the evergreen and uh, the current biggest vessel uh, ever allot uh, with 24004 TUs capacity uh, so yeah i'm not sure if uh, uh, what's going to be the reaction when it's going to uh, ship through the canal but uh, <laughs> but yeah let's uh, hopefully it's going to be fine that that come time. on come on <laughs> you know it's all gonna be fine just you know especially the, fir yeah, especially the first voyage with all of the green containers is going to be terrifying i'm, I'm pretty sure of that <laughs> nah she's you know she's gonna be beautiful as all of them are i mean ever alert because she's now being discussed she is 24004 tus and the record-breaking uh, uh, she's one of the sisters from the mega max 24 type uh, that was released just uh, just uh, recently she's 399.99 meters long and 61.5 meters wide so uh, she is one of the one of the newest uh, vessels that have been uh, released in 2022 and most likely we will be looking uh, into some other carriers that are willing to break this uh, uh, this record soon It's not going to be easy because the the the, the prices for the new vessels are growing uh, steadily uh, oh, yeah. through the whole year and are breaking the new records as well. So it's uh, uh, getting new, new orders for the vessels is getting more and more pricey at the moment. Yeah, because everybody is now looking for there's a run to uh, to get some new tonnage in place and definitely uh, at least according to Claxons, the uh, um, the prices for two major container ship categories they have continued to go up and up and up and up the 188 million dollars this is the price for the 23000 TU ship and i believe this is the regular uh, combustion so it's it's a regular heavy fuel oil uh, uh, vessel um, so this is now 29% more expensive than in january 2020 now the 20, uh, 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 22 January starts was also increase of the uh, of the price for the 2.75 uh, thousand TU vessels, uh, so the uh, let's say large feeder class, which is now at 40 million, uh, which is again pretty a lot. Uh, so you can imagine that if you've ordered these vessels a year ago, uh, you could get one third for free. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> But yeah, that's the way it is. That's how, how the market looks like. So everybody who's saying about the you know record profits of the carriers must also uh, think about it that the chartering rates are super high. The order in the new vessels is super expensive, and uh, the the whole market landscape has just dramatically changed over the years. So it's, but uh, but right, uh, Dominic, you are going to have a pleasure to talk with uh, with uh, Boris in a in a minute. Yes. So maybe we'll move to the topic of of the ports because it's uh, also there are also some some very interesting things happening. 
uh, in the in this area uh, on top with uh, some german ports some some chinese ports like uh, yadaweiser port which is owned by the Eurogate, and uh, there's a wave of uh, let's say digitalization and automa automation going into this uh, yes. this space uh, which is super interesting yeah, I mean, you know, looking at our business in terms of ports and terminals, container business in general, we, we are not, we, you know, this is not a, 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 a rocket science, right? I mean, we've seen that the vessels have grown larger, the equipment has been changing, but we are still missing a very fundamental thing, which is the interconnectivity, which is the standardization of the formats. So, for example, if one company is ordering the STS cranes, then the other one is approaching the same supplier with their different specification. So, in other words, there's no one size fits all. There's no one format of um, of uh, exchanging information of the standardization of the of the language that speaks to human beings and the uh, and the equipment so that we can talk together and then uh, obviously uh, make the uh, uh, make the uh, operations much faster and more efficient. What is now uh, happening is that in, in Europe you had the two uh, uh, first ports which have been automated. So that's the Hamburg and that's uh, one of the terminals in Hamburg and the other one was in Rotterdam. And apart from that, there was not so much happening. Now what we are seeing is that the Jadeweiser port um, in Germany has uh, announced plans to uh, uh, start uh, some, uh, some phase of automation. Uh, as I understand, the terminal will again uh, get some m new equipment. So uh, there will be uh, 10 STS cranes, Mega Max ready, so 25 rows across. Uh, today it's eight. Uh, and the uh, the pier uh, that they are standing on, it's uh, it's going to be extended to 1.725 uh, thousand meters. So it's it's close to two kilometers. Um, the uh, terminal uh, has uh, started its operations in 2010, and now what we are seeing, the recent announcement of the automation and the increase of the capacity, is also potentially connected with the sale of 30% of the stakes uh, to Hapag Lloyd, that is desperately looking for a port that would be capable of serving their new upcoming LNG-powered 23.6 thousand TU ships. Uh, that Hamburg has some difficulties uh, in um, in serving. Obviously, now as the Elbe dredging, the situation for Hamburg has improved. However, Hapagloid seems to be determined to make sure that they have another port of call in Germany. Now, from the other side of the of the globe, we've just uh, received an announcement from the port of Xiamen, Xiamen Ocean Gate is also looking for a, uh, a automated um, uh, operations now they will be deploying automated guided vehicles so-called ajvs and that's yet another uh, another uh, mark of automation that is happening and that will be happening in future now uh, the port of singapore the megaport to us is also looking into automation so there's a lot and lot of uh, of uh, discussion now on automation now, my, uh, my personal opinion is that obviously initially these, uh, these new uh, 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 technologies that have been uh, deployed were not so efficient as the well-run human-operated uh, terminals. However, now we are seeing that the efficiency is going up and up. So I would not be surprised if the automated terminals were as efficient as a well-run human-operated terminals in the near future. Yeah, I was looking for these statistics uh, at the end of the last year because in uh, somewhere in August it was also announced that uh, the new part of the LA Long Beach is is, is going to be uh, full, fully operational in around September. Uh, it was also like heavily automated, so I was like super curious about it. So somehow this uh, information is lost. I'm not sure what's going on over there. I'm trying to find out this information for a long time. So, uh, so um, maybe to our audience as well, like kind of a message. If if you are aware, you would like to, uh, you know, comment it and and uh, and uh, add something to our discussion. Just feel free to contact us. And 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 now let, let's uh, let's move to your conversation with Boris. Boris uh, has initiated very. Uh, interesting, uh, let's say, organization called Terminal Industry Committee 4.0, which is 
working on exactly the thing that you've started this uh, this uh, this uh, statement about the port industry so actually finding a uh, de developing the common language and definitions and uh, standardize all of the initiatives that are happening all over the uh, all over the globe so yeah i i will leave the stage for you perfect thank you very much sebastian now moving to boris Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today uh, in ETA FM, we have Boris Wenzel. Some of you may know Boris, uh, who's been with DCT for many years as, uh, as our CEO, but uh, maybe Boris would like to say something uh, on his experience uh, himself. Bit of background about uh, myself. So I, I, I was, um, yeah, I was a, the CEO of DCT Gdansk uh, uh, between uh, 2008 and 2000. Uh, beginning of 2013 was it I can't remember exactly about about five years and in, in any case so so I really saw uh, DCT uh, from uh, from its early beginnings when it was rather uh, more like a, a almost bankrupt project uh, to actually uh, uh, position it as a as a very successful uh, future gateway uh, to CE and I, I I moved on. Uh, I worked for. I moved on to to run a, a group of terminals in Spain, and and more recently, I I was I was uh, uh, running the portfolio of Terminal Link, uh, which is a joint venture between CMA, CGM, and China Merchant Ports, and uh, where we had uh, 20, 21 terminals uh, around the world. I um, I, I left uh, earlier this year. I'm now working uh, for the private equity industry. Uh, advising infrastructure and private equity funds on on uh, on their investments in uh, in the port and transport sector in general. Uh, so so that's why I have uh, I have much more time to to uh, to take care of uh, uh, this uh, TIC 4.0 association, which uh, uh, as I'm going to explain, uh, I I, uh, uh, I started a bit by accident, and uh, and that now is is uh, as as it's becoming quite successful, I, I think I'm I'm able to to give a lot of my time at a, at a very crucial moment of its development, uh, and it's, as it's gaining importance uh, in, in being recognized as a industry association for uh, responsible for the standards. Boris has uh, has uh, embraced uh, TIC as the founder. What is TIC for zero, Boris? Uh, TIC stands for Terminal Industry Committee 4.0, and it's it's um, it, it actually you know I, I started this really by accident uh, about well a bit more than four years ago uh, because I, I was invited to speak at, uh, at the Port Equipment Manufacturers Association PIMA. Uh, uh, and I didn't know what to speak about, and my engineer told me I should. Talk about standards and uh, why we need standards for for the industry. And and uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I you know I didn't I, I didn't have uh, such an understanding of, of the topic. He made a presentation for me. I think I understood about fifty percent of what I was talking about. But but the the thing is, you know, it, it had a, it had a huge success. Uh, uh, and you know, Pima regroups all the all the big manufacturers of. Uh, uh, of, of uh, terminal equipment and uh, solution providers for for, for, for terminals. So uh, uh, after after I gave my speech, uh, you know, I mean, I had like a rock star uh, applause, and everybody came to see me and telling me, "You're right, uh, we need standards." <laughs> you know, so so I, I I didn't realize quite yet, uh, uh, you know, what what uh, how it was really uh, how the timing, I guess. To, to talk about the need for standards was right uh, and how maybe the, the industry was ready for it. So we, we had also present at that conference, I had uh, also the, the Secretary General of Feeport, uh, the, the, the Federation of European, pri European Private Port Operators, uh, who's, uh, who I know very well. And at the end of my presentation, I had actually suggested, uh, and I would say that was the only, probably the only uh, addition I put to the slides prepared by my engineer. I, I just suggested that there should be some uh, maybe a working group to uh, agree on standards uh, uh, regrouping the, the PIMA and Feeport. Okay. Uh, and and uh, 
so so after the after the presentation and all this success i thought well let's you know let's let's try to organize a meeting and we did a, a couple of months later we organized a meeting in in brussels at feeport and to to my surprise we had uh, we had uh, 30 people coming uh, um, you know from uh, a bit everywhere in the world uh, to we had we had the the head of engineering from PSA that came from Singapore for it. For example, uh, we had people from China who came from ZPMC. Uh, we had the head of engineering from APMT. Uh, uh, we had uh, Bolloré. We had DP Weld at that time who had also sent uh, their people. I mean, we had Heister. Uh, we had the number of of uh, uh, you know of terminal operators and their suppliers. Also, Yieldport. I, mean, I don't I don't want to forget anybody, but I'm not mentioning them all. There were like 30. Uh, uh, we uh, and and uh, the, there was really uh, uh, yeah a common sense that yes uh, uh, it's time it's time to actually uh, work on the elaboration of industry standard. The thing is, you know, it's it's like you know it's like going to a, to a party and and where you're gonna have an elephant for dinner, you know, and you just don't know how to eat it, you know, it's so big and you know how do you cut it? How do you? So so we had a, a, a few meetings like this and and. Um, uh, and to my surprise, you know, the, the people continued to come. So, so, uh, so what, what I thought was just, um, you know, a presentation I give and I, 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 uh, I would then forget about it, uh, you know, became like a responsibility because I felt if, if, if uh, senior industry people, uh, you know, took their time to actually come to these meetings with some expectation, uh, I had to try to to uh, to to make it work, so we we uh, we very quickly uh, you know hired somebody to uh, uh, to actually try to coordinate all this, and and uh, we 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 formed like a budget uh, to finance that person who coordinates, because all of us you know I was running a Terminal Link at that time, so running into a group of twenty terminals around the world, I didn't have much time to dedicate to to this uh, to this initiative. We found a name for it, and that's how we came about. Uh, uh, I think it was on the second meeting uh, in 2018. Uh, we, we we found the name of Terminal Industry Committee, and uh, as we progressed, uh, uh, you know, we 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 were looking for what is the right methodology to actually address the 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 the, the, the task of creating standards. And, and very quickly, uh, we, I was told by 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 some of the the people joining that their legal department was getting very nervous, and that we needed to, uh, you know, that we were all the competitors sitting in one room, and this this could create a a lot of risks and nervousness with the competition authorities. Uh, so so that's how we 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 uh, we then launched on the task of creating an association in in early 2019, and the association was was basically. Uh, uh, registered in in, uh, in Belgium, in Brussels, as an international association, in towards the end of, of uh, 19, so about about two years ago, uh, and uh, uh, we started really working on uh, on the standards with a new methodology that we developed then during 2019, uh, uh, and we started in fact really uh, uh, having a uh, let's say a, a tool. To work on the development of the standards, which is called is an online project management type tool called Confluence. Uh, uh, you know, I, I remember during a summer, uh, I wrote uh, uh, bylaws for the association, uh, mission statement, uh, objectives, etc. And uh, and you know, we we got started around the same time. The the terminal, the the, the shipping lines did the same thing, and and. Uh, uh, DCSA, uh, you know, was was started by a, by a few shipping lines, uh, very differently than from us, you know, uh, uh, because it was the CEOs of the lines who decided they also need standards, and they all put uh, a few million euros on the table and formed an association with 30 employees and a seven million euro budget. So we are not, uh, uh, we we have quite a different path, uh, because we are in fact uh, uh, now 28 members today. Uh, we just had Hutchinson who formally joined us uh, two days ago. And uh, we have uh, a much lower budget, obviously. Uh, but we have uh, started also uh, uh, in 2021 
to uh, produce our white paper and to, to start to release uh, definitions. And uh, I've been uh, also since I left Terminal Link uh, earlier this year, I, I, I focused a lot more on, on, the, on the, the structuring and managing the association and now making sure that we have a, a proper roadmap of uh, uh, delivery of results and, and uh, uh, that we become, I would say, really a, a, um, an attractive international association that, that aims to regroup uh, as many companies as possible from the sector. But it's, uh, that's striking that uh, you're saying uh, that there's a need for standards because I was under the impression that in our business we are very good in standardizing. You know, we have the EDIs, we have the RPs, we have all types of uh, standardization, but it seems that's not the case, right? Well, this, this is a bit the paradox of, I would say, of our industry because on one hand, uh, we handle a standardized cargo Okay, we handle boxes which come in about two sizes, okay, with very small variations. Uh, uh, but, but the industry itself uh, is, is, uh, is, is not standard. Okay, so yes, on the communication uh, with shipping lines, by necessity, uh, there, there have been some uh, efforts to, to create standards with, with data communication, as you mentioned, as, as, as EDI. Uh, but you still have some variations from one country to to another. It's not totally uh, universal, and and uh, I, I can still remember not so long ago where you still had some terminals in the world where there's no EDI, but they just send you an Excel spreadsheet, you know. <laughs> yes, you have to manage it on on the other side. Uh, so, but it, in terms what what we are focusing on uh, with TIC 4.0 is is in fact to uh, uh, more in terms of everything that happens in a terminal. Okay, it's, it's the standards of what we do as a terminal, you know, with, with move containers uh, uh, and it's standards which, which pertain to uh, all the equipment, uh, the processes uh, and the systems we use in a terminal. The, the, the vision being that we want, in fact, to be able to digitalize any reality that you have in a terminal uh, uh, so that you can actually uh, virtualize your terminal in a simple way. I mean, you, you can do it without in common standards, but then it's, it's like a, 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 it's, it's a project where you have to you know, elaborate your standard, you have to test it, you have to make sure it works, you have to define your needs. Uh, so it's, it's, like a, it's like a big exercise and I think a, uh, unless you're a very big group, uh, uh, you probably don't do it because it's it's too much work and effort and risk that this doesn't work and, and you don't see enough benefit coming out of this. Uh, so so uh, uh, having industry standards, in fact, creates a, a level playing field where uh, any type of uh, organization in, in our field uh, will be able to, to get the benefits of, of the common standards by not having to, to elaborate and test their own standards to, to try to connect uh, to try to connect the equipment and systems for, for data communication. Uh, I mean, from what you're saying, Boris, is that uh, if every group has a standard and then uh, independent terminals are also setting up their standards and everybody is testing and, 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 and you know, in a nutshell, we all do very much the same. We yeah, what a, waste of, uh, what a waste of time, isn't it? And, uh, exactly, and, and money. And, and, uh, and, and uh, everybody going through the trial and errors uh, for, for what, when in fact, uh, uh, you, you, you know, the, the, the whole idea of, of, of TIC is that we actually, today, uh, uh, we bring together, you know, the best engineers of the industry from the terminal operator side and from the uh, equipment manufacturer and solution provider side to work together to agree on standards that make sense both from a client and from a supplier point of view. So, so uh, uh, and, and to envision, and because we bring all the best brains of the industry together to do this, uh, I think we have the best chance of, of having standards that, that really meet, will meet everybody's needs and, and uh, uh, in the best way possible. I mean, that's it, surprising, right? Because the first, uh, the first container vessel uh, ideal X was uh, sailing in uh, 1967, I guess. Um, and now uh, we are in 2021 and we are still discussing the standards. I was wondering on 
you know, uh, if 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 we just uh, agreed that it would be so much money and 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 time and effort and resources that should have started earlier. I mean, now we go to any of the electronic stores, right? We buy a keyboard, we buy anything, and it's a USB standard. You plug it, and it runs. Well, there was, you know, I think as long as you operated the terminal just by uh, putting a, a crane and a, uh, and a yard crane or a reach stacker and, and drivers there and, and a guy shouting on the on the microphone what they have to do, you know, you, you, you didn't need so much standards, you know. I mean, yes, standards would be helpful then, I would say, from a purely from a procurement point of view, because, uh, uh, you know, today uh, when you buy a... Uh, when you buy a crane, uh, uh, you know, you, you, every crane is, is, is different because it has been ordered with specific with, uh, specifications, uh, uh, you know, to, specific to each to each client that ordered. So, I mean, in a way, uh, 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 a ZPMC or a Liebherr as crane manufacturers or a Koenig crane, uh, they deliver tailor-made cranes to every client, okay? Uh, why? Um, you know, it makes the cranes probably more expensive. You know, because uh, if they were, if there was a standard for for cranes, it probably would make them uh, cheaper, and it would facilitate. In fact, it would create a more pl level playing field on the procurement side uh, 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 between the, the the different suppliers. And and you didn't need as a terminal operator. You know, you you didn't have to be such an expert to buy a crane. Because, because all the cranes would be according to a, uh, a certain standard. So, uh, but as I said, that was in those days, you know, you could live without that, uh, like we have. Uh, but as, as we enter uh, an age uh, uh, where data communication uh, is, is become more and more essential. Um, and, and I think as the industry realizes that to, uh, you know, there's, there's only so much you can improve your, uh, your your terminal operations uh, uh, by having a good operations manager, for example. Uh, to take it to the next level, you actually need to have uh, the possibility to to really analyze in detail from data your operations and to visualize your operations with data with like tools like big data. Uh, and then that means you want to actually connect everything. You want to connect all your equipment uh, uh, to the TOS and to the other subsystems, and that all of them uh, feed data to a data plat to a, a big uh, big data platform, and that there you are able to identify bottlenecks and uh, uh, opportunities to to improve the efficiency. Okay, if if you want to do all that, and you don't have standards, again you can do it, but it's it's a huge costly and uh, risky exercise because you you need to in fact deal with multiple different supplier specifications probably you you know uh, uh, different crane manufacturers different families of cranes everything has been basically delivered over time also maybe with even if you have your own standards with different standards you need to try to link that to to your to your toss uh, and you have uh, you need to test it you're not sure if it's going to work uh, it's it's a big investment in time and in money, and you're not even sure what result you're going to get at the end. Okay, so big groups do it, uh, like uh, your PSA is doing that, and APMT is doing that. Uh, but uh, uh, if if we if you have in fact uh, standards that uh, uh, allow this this integration of of different equipment system. Uh, uh, um, and, and even the, the, the processes would be standardized. That uh, if, if you if you have these standards in place, you are then able to actually do this, uh, establish this connectivity uh, much more easily and with a very predictable result. You know it's going to work. Uh, you know it's not going to be a big effort because it's all using the same standards, so it's all meant to actually interconnect and communicate. I think that that's also the uh, the understanding of of our customers that they expect that the efficiency of of operations is going up, the interconnectivity is also improving, because I mean, as I understand the uh, let's say the shipping line is coming from one port to another, they expect the very same uh, interface, uh, obviously with them, but we also as a container terminals we would rather see that the interconnectivity between the equipment, but also the software that would allow us 
to uh, to design and see how we can improve the efficiency of running a container terminal would be something uh, something uh, of 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 much of an interest. Is there any plan of developing such a solution by TIC? Well, the the, the yeah, but let, let me take let me take you a step back. Uh, I, I think first of all, what 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 is important to understand is is um, you know we we are. Uh, uh, we are not an industry where there is a continuous process. Okay, we we are uh, an industry where we have big capital investments and we have a lot of equipment, which in fact, uh, uh, for a big part of the time, are sitting there idle uh, uh, because they they're simply waiting for for ships to come. And uh, uh, you know, as as ships come, everything has to has to suddenly get into motion and run. So so the 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 the, the fact that we have uh, uh, what you call like a discrete uh, process is is a uh, is a big impediment to to uh, optimizing efficiency in the industry. Okay, and and uh, uh, this is why we we you know there would be two ways to deal with it. Either you would try to uh, revolutionize uh, the way a, a, a terminal works and 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 uh, processes uh, uh, containers. Uh, uh, or the other way, which, which you know, I mean, you, you, first you would have to imagine it, and and, so, and it's not easy because ships will still come uh, from time to time, and uh, it's not like a factory, you know, which runs continuously. Uh, and and the other way is 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 what we do uh, is 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 uh, the the approach we want to have. Uh, I would say not as TIC, but generally as an industry, uh, which is that okay, we need to do more with what we have. Uh, we need to. We need to uh, uh, we, we need to get this extra uh, bit of uh, productivity. We need to uh, uh, resolve this idle time. We need to uh, uh, put our equipment to to work more efficiently. Uh, and and this is this is where this this uh, ability to actually uh, go very deep in analyzing uh, uh, your operations in real time uh, uh, is is going to be very important. And uh, this is this is essentially what uh, for example uh, tools like big data allow you to do and, and exploiting big data as an analytical tool and and this is this is what standards will allow uh, to to actually uh, be uh, implemented in a, you know much more easily in, in terminals today i think you know you 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 have in the car industry and in other industries big data has become in the last 15 years a, a, a quite a common uh, quite a common tool. Huh? Uh, in in our industry, I think we we uh, you know when I was at, at Terminal Link, we we developed uh, a big data platform in in a terminal in uh, in uh, in Malta Freeport, and it's probably one of the first in the world, if not the first in the world, to to do that. So, but be, beyond tools like big data, uh, the what what we want to look at, uh, which is another thing which is very rare in, in the industry, is is uh, is automation. Uh, uh, today, automated terminals represent, uh, you know, less than five percent. Some people say three, four percent of the terminals around the world. Uh, and and when I say automated, uh, I'm not even saying fully automated. I'm saying partially automated uh, terminals. It's, it's still a very rare thing. And and uh, part of the part of the reason for that is is uh, of course in, in some countries it's it's also social resistance because you have unions who are not in favor of it. But but beyond that, it's it is a uh, it, it is also because it's it's a very risky enterprise to automate. And you 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 know I think you heard many stories of terminals which automated, and at the end of it, uh, they have even uh, uh, less productivity after spending five hundred million to automate exactly. know, than they had before. Efficiency so, uh, was not great, huh? Yeah. Yes. So and and this is again the the uh, this is again in, in fact partially linked to to the absence of standards because you go in a in an expedition with a very uncertain results uh, as you try to automate your 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 processes and activity uh, when when you 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 need to define custom you know a, a, a custom set of standards to actually allow all the all the data communication to to take place Oh, you're right. I mean, we we've heard stories about the uh, uh, the automated terminals that took a few years, right, to uh, at, uh, to arrive at the at the I would say mediocre productivity. Some of them are doing well. Uh, some of them are still struggling. 
So uh, you think it's also because of lack of standards? Yes, yes, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is a big part of the of the reason. Because as I said, it's, any automation project is uh, uh, is like an adventure. You know, <laughs> where you're not quite sure where you're going to end up, uh, uh, where you you might be going for trial and errors uh, uh, for 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 quite a long time, uh, with with uncertain and uh, you know sometimes even negative results. So if you were to uh, to summarize the objectives of TIC what would these be Well what uh, you know beyond beyond the generic word of uh, standards what what we actually what we actually want to do is we 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 are we are creating a, a whole new language okay it's it's a, a it's a language with a with a semantic uh, with a, a data model which which actually uh, uh, allows you to, you know, allows uh, uh, you to communicate with machines, machines to communicate with you, and machines to communicate between themselves, but using a language that, in fact, humans can read. Okay, so uh, 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 and, and this is this is the uh, this is how we envision the the TIC 4.0 language yeah? because it's it's not a machine language that uh, you know only a coder can uh, can read it's it's a uh, it's a language that can be applied in in uh, any type of, of protocol so anything from a text email to uh, uh, to specific protocols that you have uh, for for uh, you know the 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 equipment used by the electronic parts of equipment uh, and and it's a it's a language that therefore uh, uh, allows you to uh, also control and understand, you know, then uh, uh, what is happening in your terminal. This this is this is what uh, what TIC is all about. So so it's it's more than just creating definition uh, definitions that, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, would be uh, definitions of standards which would be like important for procurement to to make sure that we talk about the right the same things when we want to uh, uh, compare equipment that we 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 have the the same meaning you you know for example that that in our industry uh, um, you know that the most fundamental uh, uh, action uh, we do as a terminal is to move containers right uh, but, but exactly. uh, you know if you you know if if you ask today you know people from different companies or even in the same country, uh, what is a container move? And if you go into detail, what do they mean by move? Where does the move start? Where does it finish? Uh, uh, also, what is is there's a, is the the move when you discharge a container from a uh, from a vessel? But there's also the move on the yard. I mean, all these are different moves, and and uh, uh, everybody has a slightly different uh, uh, version of it. Okay, so so when you when you consider that. I mean, you, this, this is where you can see even the most fundamental thing we do is not even clear, you know. So, 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 and then you think about people who want to automate their terminals. Where if if it's not even clear what you're actually doing from one terminal to another, and when you talk to 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 your suppliers, how uh, because all this then translates in in uh, in data communication, you know, you you can you can see where how many you know how many ways this thing can go wrong. Okay, so. So we need we need the uh, we we need to have the, the language which which has very clear definition, but also which has a clear uh, semantic and structure, so that you can actually describe any reality that you have uh, in in a container terminal, you know, uh, with this language, so that in fact the language allows you to fully digitalize and and and, and uh, uh, represent any any physical reality, and and reality meaning uh, 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 you know an activity, a process, uh, anything. So it sounds like a huge job. Uh, yes, uh, uh, it is. It is a big job, and that's why I gave the the the, the image we we called it uh, among ourselves at the beginning is like uh, you know how, how are we going to eat the elephant you know because you just uh, it's so big and you don't know from which side to start or how to cut it how to uh, uh, this this is the work we've done uh, you know in the early years uh, when 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 tick started was to try to find a, a rational way to to approach 
the, the, the problem and, and to, to find a way to segment it and a methodology to actually address it with a, with a roadmap. So what are the plans for 2022? Uh, I understand you are not stopping and you have lots and lots of, of work. Uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, my, my, my job is my job is is just to uh, make sure that this association is uh, is not becoming a, a waste of time for all the people uh, who actually create the standards uh, working in it, uh, giving uh, their time from their normal job to actually contribute for the good of the industry. So, 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 so my job is to make sure that uh, we. Uh, we become uh, really recognized as as the standards body for the terminal industry, uh, and I think we we are on the right path for that. Uh, uh, in the sense that we we already have, um, uh, um, I would say, a, a majority of the industry represented in the in, in, uh, in the association. We have we have uh, uh, eight uh, of the biggest uh, global terminal operators who are members. Uh, we have uh, uh, another 20 uh, companies who are uh, all the biggest suppliers and uh, solution providers to the terminal industry. So by suppliers, I mean the Kalmar, uh, ZPMC, uh, Liebherr, uh, Heister, etc. Uh, but also solution providers, uh, Navis, uh, RBS, and uh, uh, also software companies that provide software solutions for, for the industry. So, so uh, uh, we have we have to we have to make sure that uh, uh, that that all these people who, uh, as I said, especially for the last uh, uh, two three years now, have been uh, contributing a lot, working in in task forces uh, to to elaborate this uh, this this TIC 4.0 language, that we that we see it becoming an international standard one day, uh, and uh, what what. Uh, what I'm doing in this respect is we are already talking to um, the ISO organization, uh, which, which, uh, as you know, produces, uh, I mean, underwrites ISO standards. Uh, uh, ISO is run a bit like a UN yes. body. Uh, it's, it's you have every country. Most countries have a representative there, and and uh, you actually elaborate standards, which then get adopted by this this. Uh, uh, country representatives, so that they can become standards at the end. So we we are looking at. Uh, a path to have our work uh, recognized as ISO standards uh, in the next maybe five, six years. Uh, uh, before that, as a first step, uh, I'm considering uh, the, the possibility of, uh, of uh, working with one ISO member, which is a BSI, uh, it's the British Standards Institute, and, it's, it's, uh, uh, and who have developed, uh, uh, um, let's say, a, a, a methodology to get like a pre-ISO standard, which they call the publicly available specification. Um, uh, and so, so what we're aiming for is, is um, maybe in the next two years to have uh, the, the standards we are producing uh, form part of a publicly available specification for the industry. And, and uh, this, this would already give, I would say, some kind of status uh, to, 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 the, to the standards, allow them to be uh, used and in a way, um, you know, let's say tested uh, by by the by the industry, so that uh, uh, we we can more confidently work then to get them formalized as ISO standards. Uh, as I said, in maybe five six years time, hopefully. Well, it's uh, five six years sounds uh, sounds uh, quite a lot, but uh, we know that uh, for this business, it's it's pretty yes. rapid, yeah. right? Development and. Uh, uh, while browsing through the uh, uh, TIC, uh, I, I came across uh, Terminal 4.0. What does it mean? I Terminal 4.0. So uh, it's, it's, it's a new uh, project. As, as we basically, as we uh, as we got started with TIC 4.0, and as I said initially, it was just an initiative. Uh, uh, there was there was a, we saw an opportunity to also apply uh, uh, with some of the with some of the members of. Uh, 4.0 uh, to apply for European funded project uh, and the idea was actually to uh, um, uh, to obtain some funding to to fund the organization of TIC and uh, maybe more importantly to to fund pilot projects which allowed us to 
uh, as we developed standards to actually put them in a test environment in a pilot project. And the, the, the Malta Freeport uh, example I gave earlier, uh, where, where we developed a, a, a big data tool uh, to, to, uh, to, to actually uh, look at uh, in detail of, of the functioning of, of Malta Freeport and to, to, to develop more analytical capabilities. Uh, is is running on the TIC 4.0 uh, standards we created, and it's a project which has been funded by this iTerminals 4.0 European uh, uh, European project. So uh, the the funding means there there is uh, there, there is a there is some hardware. Of course, you put sensors everywhere, uh, and there is uh, big software development. We develop basically a big data platform. Okay, and the, the all the the, I, the the hardware, the sensors, and the IoT that you have with then through every equipment feeds the data to the platform and then you develop uh, then you you, you you develop dashboards etc that you configure to actually give you a visibility uh, of, of the terminal activity and you develop KPIs which then uh, allow you to really uh, look at how to start optimizing uh, what what is happening in your terminal yeah sounds great so what do you think in let's say next 10 years what would be the uh, uh the TIC 4.0 and uh, how would you see our industry developing? I think the, the idea is is that uh, our industry is, is quite late uh, on the adoption of uh, uh, digitalization and uh, 4.0 technologies. Okay, and, and uh, uh, as I said before, one of the reasons is not the only one, but one important reason is, is this, this lack of standards. So uh, the, the work we're doing uh, uh, is, is really to ensure that uh, uh, over the next 10 years, our industry has been able to catch up uh, on, on, uh, on the adoption of these technologies. And, and uh, uh, I mean, these technologies themselves are, are all tools to further optimize the way we run our business. Huh? They're they not solutions in themselves. It's all uh, uh, tools. But we, we are then able to we would then be able to have uh, on a wide scale uh, much much better analytical tools on the way uh, terminals are run to actually optimize them in real time. For example, uh, with a big data platform, you can then uh, actually have a, what you, I would call like an intelligent toss, which is updating itself on the based on on the real time feedback from all the IoT devices in your. In, in your terminal and, and constantly optimizing itself uh, uh, and and uh, uh, you we are then also able to to envisage uh, in 10 years maybe to have a much higher uh, number of automated terminals uh, in, in our industry than than, than today you know? uh, so so the the we, we we would like to see tick 4.0 and and especially with the endorsement we have now from from all the, I mean, many, not all, but but most of the leaders of the industry, uh, both on the terminal operator side and their suppliers, uh, that that we're able to to really become a much more modern, uh, like like other industries are, like maybe the car industry is, for example. Uh, um, thank thanks to uh, thanks to the, the the push we give to to the, the adoption of common standards. Uh, are you also uh, working on uh, on getting, let's say, a, an improved efficiency of data exchange and use uh, with uh, with the shipping lines, with the customers of of terminal uh, terminals across the globe? Because what we are seeing is that sometimes, as you said yourself, EDI in uh, one terminal means something completely different in the other one. This is like a standard, but it's not a standard, and each line has a different standard. So you need to test and 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 check with each and every line. And I was just wondering, since we have now free alliances, yes, they they uh, uh, they work uh, they work together in terms of operational performance and and uh, and vessel sharing and pool. Uh, is there any? let's say work ongoing was uh, how to get better uh, um, data exchange with the customers and, and feeding it back also from the shipping lines, because that's also important for the terminal. Uh, yes, uh, but, but this is, this is a, you know, uh, the, the EDI side, this is essentially what, what DCSA is working on, okay? Uh, uh, and, and what we're doing uh, uh, together with other associations like DCSA is, uh, uh, we need to then manage our interfaces together. Okay, so as I said, we focus 
uh, we focus on what happens inside the terminal, but uh, uh, you know, beyond what happens inside, we need to make sure that the standards we create are then compatible or taken into account by uh, uh, by the the uh, at, at the level of interfaces we have with the shipping lines when the ships berth. We will have also with the trucking companies when they come to the terminal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so we have we have already uh, we we already have a collaboration with DCSA and uh, precisely on on uh, ensuring that uh, uh, there is a mutual taking into account by both sides of each other's needs as we define uh, standards in relation to what happens when a ship berths. Okay, so so when when you see you, you actually can see that the latest. Uh, uh, the latest publication from from DCSA, which is uh, related to birthing, uh, uh, mentions actually uh, TIC 4.0 because we've worked uh, we've worked with them on that. So and the same the same will apply to as I said to the to the other to 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 the other uh, um, associations that that uh, that concern uh, uh, um, you know other stakeholders that interact with the terminal. Yes, uh, I think the one that you are mentioning is the DCSA uh, just-in-time standards for main voilà. port collectivities. So it's uh, it sounds great. Uh, I think uh, as container terminals, we are all striving to see uh, uh, more standards and uh, an improved exchange with our customers, both on the sea side as well as on the, on the land side, because this also leads to uh, to improved efficiency of operations in the yes. terminal itself. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Uh, Boris, uh, anything that you would like to add from your side? Uh, well, uh, uh, we, you know, we 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 really looking, uh, as you said, at a very ambitious agenda for for ourselves. Um, as I said, also, I think we we are. I am personally encouraged uh, because um, we already have an endorsement from a, a very big part of the industry. Uh, as I said, we have eight. eight Eight global terminal operators with us. Uh, we don't have many missing, uh, you know. So, so there's one from the Middle East, uh, quite famous, uh, that is uh, still not with us. But I, I hope uh, we'll convince them soon. Uh, we also have uh, two other big Chinese operators. Uh, one who was my shareholder, who's not on board yet, but I hope to convince them as well soon. Uh, on on the on the equipment. Uh, 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 manufacturer and supplier side, uh, this, this, you know, we are just in talks now with, let's say, the, uh, the, 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 the big, the suppliers of big elements of equipment like the spreaders. So we are in discussions with Broma to join, for example, uh, because all the main suppliers, the, the, the crane manufacturers, etc., are already there, and the, the truck, the big trucks, and the cranes, the, the rich stackers are already with us, but. Uh, uh, we want we want to what we would like really is to have all the industry I mean uh, all the meaningful players of the industry and we even invite the smaller players if they're interested uh, uh, we're not uh, we, we're not a club of only uh, big companies so uh, and I think this is this is a this is the beauty of our of our association uh, if, if if you have a if you have a good engineers and even if you are uh, a small uh, solution provider you can apply to join and then your engineer will work with the engineers of uh, of Kalmar of Liebherr of PSA uh, uh, to to work on the standards that uh, we want our industry to adopt uh, going forward so i think it's it can be very exciting so it, so it's really a, it's really just to say that we we are open to everybody we hope that everybody will uh, will join this this uh, the association uh, as, as we continue to to develop and uh, uh, we 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 want also to to have the industry adopt these standards as soon as possible as they become available uh, uh, so so we we hope maybe that uh, uh, terminals like dct uh, going forward as, as psa is actually a very important uh, contributor since day one uh, since day one uh, to tick 4.0 we hope that psa will be among those putting it uh, uh, in practice, uh, requesting their suppliers, please, uh, uh, I'm buying you these cranes. I want that you to configure them with uh, according to the TIC 4.0 standards. Okay, because my whole setup at uh, uh, at the DCT is now 
uh, talking TIC 4.0 language, so I want to integrate everything according to these standards. That's that's what we that's what we're really uh, aiming for. Uh, great, I think it's exciting, and uh, I must say it's uh, it's enriching because uh, I I never knew that uh, we are so far behind in some cases. Right, we uh, we come across as the as a new. Uh, business with uh, we handle a lot of goods uh, majority of the uh, continental uh, you know commercial exchange and then we learned that we don't have common standards so that's that was yes, really refreshing indeed indeed but you know we we have a good opportunity now to to catch up with that and uh, and to catch up uh, quite quickly so so uh, i think then we 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 have a future where our industry can become much more high tech and uh, much faster than it has so far Perfect. Thank you very much, Boris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh wow, that's that's uh, you know li listening to to people like Boris with this uh, tremendous uh, experience from from very niche industry within our in the industry is uh, is super interesting experience for 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 the person as myself that I was never really connected with the terminal businesses. Uh, so so th thanks Dominic for running this conversation with with him, and uh, maybe not to. Uh, do our episode too long because it's been already uh, almost almost an hour uh, there was very interesting thing that i wanted to share about uh, the uh, let's say incentives which were announced at the end of the year from from the shipping liners that is uh, i think one of the first messages was about merck line just uh, giving away thousand uh, I, I think it was euros, but I'm not sure. To every employee of the AP Moller nice. uh, with, within the within the freight, when you calculate it through the amount of people involved, it was quite a big number of that. Yep. But but then there were new shipping liners coming into this uh, uh, space with even bigger numbers, like uh, CMA, CGM giving two months uh, extra Christmas bonus like uh, pill given one month uh, uh, like ONE also the one month and uh, something which which was really grabbing my my attention was the the green one the evergreen <laughs> that we've yeah. started our conversation with 40 months bonus like 40 for four zero to to be clear are you it's, sure it's uh, 40 months wow yeah it just it, it wasn't given to in. every employee of, of the Evergreen, so I, I think it could be like you know so some part of the team that was uh, uh, incentivized that that at that at, at that level. But if someone is asking the question, what's going on with the, all of the profits that our shipping liners are generating uh, through the last year, besides the acquisitions and uh, the vessel order book, uh, there's also something going to the employees of the of of the people on board, which were dealing with uh, quite unusual things over mm. uh, last uh, last year so so definitely it's something that is uh, that should be uploaded and uh, and something that I, yeah that I, me personally I always support this kind of initiatives as well sure thing I mean they had a very tough years right I mean apart from the companies making uh, making a lot of money I mean these people in the front line they have dedicated their work and uh, you know and a lot of uh, a lot of time to make sure that the uh, customers were were served in these difficult conditions so yeah chapeau bas thanks for listening us for to for today so we're, we are going to run this show same way as we do it in uh, at the polish edition uh, since uh, the beginning of the of the last year so it's going to be a weekly episode where we are going to deliver the news of uh, what happened over the the weeks uh, uh, on, on the way uh, also involving some guests from from the space if you would if you would like to listen to any specific topics just uh, uh, let us know you know once again through the social media i think the linkedin is, is uh, something that we are the most active at and you can always uh, also email me at uh, seb um, at eta.fm and uh, thanks for the day have a happy new year because this is the very first episode this year so we wish you uh, everything the best and uh, yeah most probably it's going to be also interesting here ahead of us 